back to another special episode of Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 107, I'm your host, Bruce. And as always, I'm joined, joined on the line by Lux. Lux, how are you now? And I am doing just good. Doing that? Excellent. Good to hear. Now, folks, we're recording a couple of days late. Normally, we record on Monday nights, but Monday was a kind of a holiday for Lux and for many of our listeners who are based in the United States. Lux, what happened on Monday? It was Memorial Day, and I did some grilling. You did some grilling. Well, yep. what 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 is on the menu, Shea Lux, when it's time to come grilling? And usually about and then I'd say about like eight hamburger patties and like uh, nicely in a like I don't use gas, I use charcoal. Hamburgers, oh. hot dogs, brats. Nice, 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 nice. Yep. Do you do any? Do you do any any veggie? Any, any veggies and like a like a on like a, a suitable trade of to roast them on uh on the on the grill too, or is it just straight meat? And like there was some like asparagus. There was some mushrooms that I grilled. But yeah, let me tell you, now we're talking. Grilled mushroom, like mushrooms grilled with a buttery garlic sauce and a spread on them. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's delicious. That's like mwah, chef's kiss right there. That's my favorite. I like. I I went and got a grilling pan so I can grill on my barbecue this summer because I want. I love. Like I've up until now, I haven't done it in a pan. I've always done it like in tin foil, and it's always soggy and gross. So I want to do it in the pan so that they're like a little bit, if they're not so mushy and disgusting. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to having some nice peppers and and uh, the asparagus sounds good too. Did you wrap it in bacon or just say grill it or just grill it with some butter and garlic so- and garlic on top? And I wrapped it in some bacon and used some seasoning on it. Oh, that sounds tough. Lux, I wish I, I wish Texas weren't so far away, so like I could come and visit like on for like barbecue yeah. times. Like I would love to come down. That sounds like that sounds like my type of barbecue. I'm in. Like we are literally at opposite ends of the hemisphere. Yes, um, that's the, that's the very reality of things. There's a lot of miles of difference between you and me, but anyway, that's okay. We're still ha- we're here on the show having a good time. So uh, glad to have you back. Uh, glad to get the show in this week. So uh, excellent stuff. Um, now, folks, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, some housekeeping here. Um, if you haven't guessed by this point in time, if you listen, checking us out every every week, maybe you're new. I don't know. Uh, if you are new, welcome. Um, so our home on the internet is thelotuscouncil.com. That's where you can find our content each and every week. Uh, they upload our podcast for free. But the Lotus Council is far more than just a website. It is a community of magic players and, and magic personalities that have gathered together um, on the internet to bring all sorts of great fun content. So um, they do uh, box breaks. They've got a YouTube channel where um, Sona, who is one of the 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 primary members of the, of the Lotus Council, uh, posts videos. They've got a Twitch stream where you can, they sometimes will 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 broadcast um arena or sometimes they they have in the past done some uh some gameplay for edh uh but they also will set up webcam games over spell table there's lots of great things going on um but the best value is the discord the discord is a lot is lively it is uh family friendly 
It is uh, a supportive location. Lots of fabulous people in there um, who are just, uh, you know, love to talk magic and love to talk uh, EDH. So come on in, check the littlecouncil.com, uh, become part of the community and find out uh, for yourself just how terrific this community is. I think you're going to be very pleased. All right, Lux, tonight our show is broken into three segments. So we have our Garbage or Great, which is sort of our standard. We're going to talk about more uh, Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate uh, previews that we've got another, well, 10 or 11 cards. And then we've got a deck tonight that I think is interesting and I want to talk about uh, because it's going to incorporate one of the new backgrounds from Commander Legends. So are you ready to get uh, underway here, Lux? Yep. Okay. Let's start with our Garbage or Great. So tonight's card for Garbage or Great is Stronghold Biologist. Two and a blue for a 1-1 one, one Spell Shaper. I don't know what the spell, whether that's a relevant creature type or not, but I suspect it's probably not. Uh, and then for a blue-blue and a tap, discard a card from your hand, counter target creature spell. And just so anybody is curious, this seems to come from Nemesis Block, or Nemesis, the which was a set a long, long time ago. So uh, the design philosophy was fundamentally very different than what is employed today. So Lux, what is your first sentiments on Stronghold Biologist? I don't think it's very good. Yeah. This is the problem with sometimes you get the, uh, the random generator from Scryfall. You get some really questionable cards. I agree with you. I don't think this card is... I was trying to make a case for this card. The only case I can make is if you're in some sort of madness deck where discarding to for, for value is actually a thing you want to do. Um, maybe Riel, too, might fit. Like, this might fit into Riel. But then you're discarding for the chance to counter a creature spell, which I, I'm not going to be... I'm going to be very honest like how many creatures are you genuinely frightened of in Commander that you were prepared to discard a card to counter it? And not very many. Like, there's only a select few. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like, that's the sort of the thing. And some of those come with uncounterable clauses on them. That won't. That means you can't counter it anyway. So, like, I would like to say that this card could be played and could be very reasonable. I don't think I can do it. Um, because I don't think, like, here's the problem. Like, if this, this just allows you to, in a regular turn cycle, like, audience, think about this. In a regular turn cycle, you play your turn, let's imagine that Stronghold Biologist has been on the table long enough that now you can activate it. You get one opportunity to pitch a card to, to counter a thing. Now you're, and then your Stronghold Biologist is tapped. You still used a card. Now, granted, you turned any card, including a land or some sort of irrelevant card that's in your, is sort of stuck in your hand, into a counterspell. But it only gets creatures. It's I, I just I don't think this is very good. And so, I I have just have a very difficult time imagining where it goes. Now let's have a little. Let's have a little look. What card? What want to want to wager as to which which commander plays this most frequently? I could imagine like 
like you said, like maybe a commander with madness or something that fits into that archetype. So, yeah, but like the madness commanders are all red black, so you're not getting it there. You might get away with it, Riel, but this is getting played apparently in Damia, the stone Sage of Stone. Damia was like a commander from like a bajillion years ago. Like, get have you read Damia, Sage of Stone recently? Nope. Listen to this four black. Green, blue for a 4-4 legendary creature, Gorgon Wizard, with death, death Touch. Skip your draw step. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have fewer than 7 cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. So this is where you're getting away with this with the Stronghold Biologist. You're going to have a perpetual draw engine in your command zone that you can play and, you know, draw a bunch of cards. But... Uh, I'm not excited to play a seven mana four four that just dra- that draws me cards on my upkeep. Like this is not a like this is not a card you really want to play, right? Like, are, do you agree with me? Yeah. Agree with me? Like this is not not yeah. a thing. So like, let's go see what Damia where Damia ranks all time. So she's ranked 250th out of all the commanders in in the game. And you're telling me that this card is supposed to be good because it goes in the 250th ranked commander? I think this card is crap. So this is a this card is a garbage card, Lux. Yep. Stronghold biologist is garbage. Get out the door. You gotta get out of the way. You're no good. You bum. Alright. So yeah, Stronghold Biologist is no good. If you have it in your deck, don't play it. Take it out. Put anything in. Put another land in. We do you better. All right. Shall we move on to segment two? Yep. Okay. So um, we're going to start tonight with some previews uh, and the completion of a cycle. So in... Uh, we one of the very first cards previewed from Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate was the Black Dragon, um, the ancient. Which one was it? Ancient. Oh, I should do my homework. Oh. Anyway, there's a cycle of legendary dragons that have that are circulating around. Let's see what the black one was. Ancient Brass Dragon. Uh, they all have the same base mechanic on them. Whereby, if they deal combat damage to a player, you then proceed to roll a d20, and then whatever number you hit, you get that much of something. So, for instance, Ancient Brass Dragon, which was the, the black one, uh, when, you, you, when you deal combat damage to a player, you roll a d20. When you do put any number of target creature cards with total mana value X or less for the graveyards onto the battlefield. Which was a pretty cool card. But now we've got the ancient uh, bronze dragon, which makes plus one, plus one counters on creatures. The copper dragon, which makes treasure, which is the red one. The white one is the ancient gold dragon that makes one, one blue fairy dragon creatures. And the blue one just draws you cards. So what do we think about these dragons there, Lux? Do we, uh, uh, we like these things? Yeah, I'm definitely taking the thing. I am definitely wanting to use these. 
Yeah, I want to use them too. They're definitely splashy. Um, I think their audience, whichever win, whichever one you happen to want to play in your deck, and I think they're all cool. I don't think you can, I don't think you can really go that wrong with any of these th any of these guys. The truth remains, they all suffer from the same fundamental flaw, which is they don't have haste. Right, Lux? Like that's probably the biggest drawback. Yeah. So you resolve your seven mana ancient bra bronze dragon, and you're praying that you're going to get a chance to untap and attack with this thing. Let's be very honest, though. Who is going to, in their right mind, is going to let this thing like resolve and then untap so you can attack with it? Nobody, right? And no, they. These are going to be those kill on sight cards. Yeah, these things die on sight. So it doesn't matter what deck you're building these in. You need to have some sort of way to protect them, um, because if you don't you're going to lose the value from the trigger or you're going to not be able to like, you're not, not going to get a chance to do it. So um, protection or some sort of counter spell or you need to give them haste. So I was thinking cards that like are going to play well with these are going to be things like anger and rhythm of the wild, which is the green red gruel enchantment that gives you a creature riot, which means you could, you could choose to give it haste. Um, or uh, Ogre Battle Driver, or, you know, cards like that that are going to partner with this and allow you to get haste and get and get attacking immediately. Which makes me believe that the ones that are going to be best are, are probably the green and the red one because they're going to get more likely to have haste in green and red through, you know, Rhythm of the Wild or... Uh, Elena, Helena and Elena partners, or you know something to that effect. Like I even think a Xenogod would do, right? Xenagos, God of Revels. There's also Samet. Oh yeah, Samet too. So, so Xenagos, Xenagos the God, give me haste. I believe it does. I could be mistaken on that front. Now my internet's being slow, pokey. Um, target creature you control gains haste and gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is that creature's power. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to play around these, but I'm kind of of the opinion the the green and the red one, particularly the red one, Lux. I think the red one is probably the one that people are going to play the most. We're going to see it the most because it's the cheapest to cast. It's a it's a six mana creature for like potentially a giant pile of treasure. So. These feel good. They feel flashy. They feel like mythic dragons. So I, I can't complain about them too much, right? Yep. Do you think they're a little overcosted? And probably, but you know, they end and they, they any combination with red and green, they, there are ways of getting around that. No, no, you're right. I mean, I think red and green is also be the ones that have the easiest time to cast these dragons because they tend to be the ones that ramp the best. Like, you're playing green in particular, yeah. so you're going to be able to resolve your dragon. Um, I mean, all of them are going to be flashy. They're all going to be, I think, if you can connect, I think that's going to be the sort of experience at a table that's going to be one of those memories that everyone's going to remember. Like, hey, do you remember that time when Lux attacked with his ancient copper dragon and did some serious business? Right, like that's that's gonna be the memory that people are gonna you're gonna create with these dragons. Yeah. Right. So 
Oh, they're pretty. I think they're pretty cool. Also, audience, Dragon Lord Servant helps reduce the casting cost of your dragons. So, just saying, you might want to pick up some of those if you like the dragons. I will also add this there, Lux. The continued flavor fail in that these are all labeled as elder dragons, but yet they're not legendary creatures. What? Yeah, they're all labeled as elder dragons. Check them all out. They're all a creature Fail. elder dragons, and they don't have a. Le- they're not a legendary creature, which like every Listen to other the coast. What are you doing? I don't know. Like they've literally like botched it here because these are should like every other legendary dragon. I was looking it up last night for an article. Every other legendary dragon in the game, or elder sorry, elder dragon is a legend, and these five aren't. And I can't tell you why. Like, I hope there's a really good reason for it, but they are all Elder Dragons, and none of them are Legends. So, oops, swing and a miss, Wizards, swing and a miss. Anyway, whatever. Okay, let's carry on. You want to do the next one? Font of Magic. Yeah, for three and a blue, you get an enchantment. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one... Less to cast for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. This is garbage. Sorry. Yeah. Did I say that too fast? <laughs> like, wait, this is a cool card. Like, it's going to be a very neat effect. Except, let's be very, very honest, audience. This is a four mana do nothing enchantment. All right. So, it's not going to do much. Now, in a in the world where you want this card, you're gonna want this card to do something like where you've cast your commander multiple times. The unfortunate reality is when you cast your commander multiple times, you're probably ramped way past this font of magic, and this is not a relevant card anymore. Yep. Would you agree? This Pretty is, much. This is going to be so you're gonna so if you stick it at four. You will have been fortunate to have cast your commander one time, meaning you're only getting a single one mana cost reduction, which, don't get me wrong, is still impactful. But four mana is a pretty is a position on the curve where in commander you really need to start cooking with gas and start like really advancing a game plan. And if you're like, let's imagine you on turn three, you resolve your real. Because I think Riel would be something that might want, might want to play with this card. Riel, you resolve Riel on turn three. You cast Font of Magic on four. You're only getting one be- one mana benefit from this. So I only think the like the real one you're looking for is you're looking for commanders that are as cheap in red and blue as you can do it. Um, so like even Jor like Jorian Ruin Diver. Like I'm thinking this is like in a blue red spells deck lux. That's where I'm thinking this is going. Yeah. Um and so like I'm just I'm not sure that there's this is going to really really do the job. I'm looking here like let's go look at the is it commanders cuz I think this is going to like spell slinger. Yeah. So they might go with Veyron. Like Veyron might like it because Veyron cares a lot about um this is a sorceries because it doubles like triggers on Mr. Magecraft. Uh, but it's still three mana, so you're resol- resolving Veyron on three casting uh, 
this enchantment on four and then like you're not really doing it um Kark, Kark and Sakashima I guess but Sakashima is um a four mana so competing at the same mana curve spot uh you're getting Zephi which is also competing at the same mana cost Kaza Royal Chaser which is two mana so that's there's a there's a starting point um yeah like the rest of them are all more or less the same where you're like you're you're competing with itself for where it fits on your curves. So I don't love it. I think it's kind of overrated and um think it's not going to get played. Lux, thoughts? Yeah, like, I don't see, like, really, like, it's most likely never getting played at all. Unless someone just absolutely wants to. Yeah, like, I mean, like, maybe... It's not going to... I'm just saying, like, if you're going to have, like, a four-drop enchantment, you're going to want it to do something. Now, I can't imagine a curve where you go, like, turn two, Goblin Electromancer, turn three, Veyron, turn four, this, and now you're getting, like, you're getting the Goblin Electromancer reducing the cost and the Font of Magic to reduce the cost, but I still think you get, you get at the end of the day, you get stuck in a situation where Font of Magic just does it. It doesn't draw you any cards. It doesn't do anything else. It just makes your spells a little bit cheaper. And you're praying to God that you can use this effectively. And I don't think you're going to find... I think you're going to have a hard time doing that. So. I think it's probably something worth avoiding. Unless you're really into the duplicate reducing cost, casting cost of my spells deck. With Goblin Electromancer, Brawl, and this. So, anyway. That's my thoughts. Font of Magic. I don't like it. Next, we have Packed Weapon. Three and a black. Artifact Equipment. As long as Packed Weapon is attached to a creature, you don't lose the game for having zero or less life. Whenever equipped creature attacks, draw a card and reveal it. The creature gets plus X plus X until end of turning. You lose X life, where X is that card's mana value. Um... Ox, should I be excited for this card? And honestly, no, because odds are your opponents are gonna like they're either not gonna let it resolve at all, or like they're going to go all in and kill whatever creature you have it attached to. Like, there's like they're gonna go all in on this card. Well, like this is setting yourself up to get blown out. Like, yeah. like this is the sort of card that like. I can imagine somebody doing like ad nauseum or something like that, where they 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 try to combo off with ad nauseum, and they they take their life total below zero, thinking that they're in the that they're safe, and then their creature gets wrecked, and then they die to the packed packed weapons triggered ability when you having when you have zero life. Like it's just it's just embarrassing. I'm like no, like this is not a card that I'm excited for. Also. Get this. This is like this is like the Bob style effect when you like flip a card up. So whenever equipped creature attacks, so you attack. Let's say you attack with your what's a reasonable attacker. Let's say you're attacking with your four four angel. All right, you're playing a black white angels deck. You have a, a four four flying angel on the battlefield. You equip the packed weapon to your to your creature. You attack. You get to flip up a card. 
And if that card is like, oh, I don't know, like a big demon, like you take, like you, have, like you flip up Villas, you're, like, yes, your angel turns into a 12 12, but you also eat eight life and you just go, ooh. And that may be enough to kill you. Like, you're, that's, like, how many attacks are you going to get with this packed weapon before you're, like, in very real danger of dying to it, to it itself? Like, really, think about it. You're going to die to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I think people who are going to play this card are going to routinely die to it. Not your opponents. You are. It, to me, it sort of figures in the same equation uh, or the same, like, sphere as, like, a mana crypt, and the whole listen to me, audience, before you turn this off and say Bruce isn't what he's talking about. In a long game, a mana crypt actually is a detriment to your to your status because it sits there and passively like makes you lose life. And so, if the bo- if you cannot capitalize on your mana crypt early to put the game out of reach. The longer it goes, the more damage you're going to take from your crypt, and you're going to die to it. It's the same sort of thing here with this packed weapon. You better kill somebody fast, or else it isn't worth it. Because you're going to start like bleeding out life, and now your opponents can pressure your life total too. You're going to die. I think this card is not good. Um, only a very select number of decks are going to want to play it, and I don't think that... I don't like the, the the secondary trigger. In fact, I think the whole thing's a trap. Like it could be a, a very high ceiling, but I think most of the time this is going to be a trap where you end up like you like is attached to a creature goes the game. You're gonna like have your life total go below zero. You're gonna like they're gonna blow you out with it. You lose the game, or you're gonna put your you're gonna flip up something really expensive off the top of your deck and then packed weapon is going to end up doming you and killing you. So not a fan. Um, I'm just not a fan. Lux? Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, yeah, it's just not great. All right, next thing. Storm <coughs> King's Thunder. Or X, a red, red, red extent. When you cast your next... in instant or sorcery spell this turn copy that spell x times you may choose new targets for the copies so i want this target card to be really good i want it really good so copying the spell x times we have totally forgotten what it's like to copy something that many times (laughs) but like so just got a couple of thoughts here, Lux. Let's imagine you uh, you you cop you cast Storm King's Thunder. What's the spell you want to cast afterwards? That's actually a good question. Like there are just so many I can think of. Yeah, um, I'm kind of thinking something like a Jessica's Will, maybe a Dig Through Time. Could you imagine like like Red, red, red. X equals like four, and you're get, and you're going to duplicate your dig through time. Does that not sound disgusting? 
I mean, honestly, I think that is the most degenerate thing you've ever come up with. Well, I don't think it's the worst. I think Jessica's will is probably worse. Because um, I think Jessica's will not only allows you to draw the cards, but allows you to cast them. Because Dig Through Time, I mean, this is an instant. So you could do it end of your opponent's turn. Like, if you're the, the red-blue deck, you leave your mana open to counter stuff. No one plays into your counters because they're scared of, of you countering their, their big important play. So on your end step, sorry, on their end step before you untap, you just get to Storm King's Thunder into like the the sheer lunacy that is like a dig through time or something. Next thought, Lux. This and Thousand Year Storm. How? I'm, honestly, like, they, did I ever tell you what I used to combo with the Thousand Year Storm? Back in uh, when it first came out, please tell me it was Stone Rain. Well, either that or Thought Erasure and Ling. There they we literally go. just empty out their hand. They just empty out their hand constantly. They, they, they oh, what's that? Like you have something big in your hand? Not anymore. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, I, I mean, I know it has magical Christmas land to resolve the six mana enchantment and then to be able to storm off with Storm, Th storm King's Thunder and do something. Unmeaningful, but I think it's uh, it's a very interesting card. I kind of like it. I like it way better than um, than Pact Weapon. I think this is far more interesting. Uh, a very interesting, unique design space. Um, I think this was obviously going to get played in Zafai um, because Zafai cares a lot about copying things. Let me read Zafai quickly. Uh, oh, where did it go? Where is Zafai? Zafai. Whenever you cast or copy instant or sorcery spell, scry one. If that spell's mana value is five or greater, create a four foot blue and red elemental creature token. If that spell mana value is ten or greater, okay, so you like Zephy lets you just do ridiculous things um, with this card. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I think this is going to be an interesting inclusion in lots of blue red uh, spell singer decks. Lux, any other thoughts for you? I mean, honestly, like, this is going to be, like, I don't think I'm going to like, crack into the set itself, and but I am definitely going to be getting these singles. Excellent. Good, good man. All right. So we have Volo Itinerant Scholar is up next. Two and a blue legendary creature, Human Wizard. Two, three, and it says, when Volo enters the battlefield, create Volo's Journal. A legendary colors artifact token with hexproof, and whenever you cast a creature spell, note one of its creature types hasn't been noted for this artifact. Two and a tap. Draw a card for each creature type noted for target permanent you control named Volo's Journal. Choose a background. Um, is Volo good? And honestly, I'm not really sure about this one. Um, me neither. I'm going to be honest with you. The only part that interests me really is this choose a background piece. So, audience, we're seeing increasingly that Wizards is acknowledging that monocolored commanders are not as popular as two or more colored commanders. All right, that's what the evidence plays out. Um, the issue becomes... Um, where are we going with that? 
Oh, I forgot where, I was, where my train of thought was at. Anyway. No, so Wizards is, like, looking for... <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say now. Anyway, but yeah, like, so... Yeah. Ah. I was going to make a good point, too. I had it and lost it. Anyway, but yeah, so... Goes into Spellsinger's deck. No, wrong, wrong card. Whoa. Oh, right. Backgrounds. With the ba- I, was, I got distracted. I was looking at Storm Kings. It's still on my screen. All right. So, um, with the backgrounds, the backgrounds are interesting because, like, this, this monocolored commanders are just not that interesting. If you look through the top built commanders over and over and over again, they're not the they're not the monocolored ones. Like, think about it. Like, I'm going through the top commanders built. Like the the very first monocolored one that we get is Krenko, and it's in the top fifteen. And then everything else is gold. Like Chatterfang pops up, but even Chatterfang's black, black green. You know, where's the first, you know, monocolored commander we get? That is Orvar is at 47. <clears throat> oh, you. Because, like, I'm sure you've noticed in like, the past few sets, most of the legendaries that we've gotten have been multicolored. Well, they, but they keep giving us the monocolored ones, but no one builds them. So this background ability makes. Volo into the ability to be a multicolored deck because now you just pick a, a background that isn't a blue one and you're off to the races, right? Now, the yeah. nice part with this particular Volo card is that background, and there's like 30 different backgrounds to pick from. And every time you build a different background, Volo's deck is built differently. I don't think you're going to have any two decks that are built the same. And so Volo could be really interesting as a commander with with a background. So that that is why yep. I'm interested in Volo, not because I think the the abilities are overly interesting. I think the abilities are kind of, but I do find this interesting. All right, is this me or you? I've forgotten. Alondo the Seer. I'm like, it's coming up. Okay, Alondo the Seer for two green blue. Creature, human shaman, three five. Tap, draw a card, then exile a card from your hand and put a number of time counters on it equal to its mana value. It gains when the last time counter is removed from this card. If it's exiled, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you cast a creature spell this way, it gains haste until end of turn. Then remove a time counter from each other card you own in exile. So this is kind of like trying to play on the old suspend mechanic that we have. Um, and that um, there's a Joyra that gives all your things um, suspend. Now, I think this one is interesting, but it's a little bit more problematic in the sense that it is... Oh, where's the card I want to look? So, it's in blue and green. So, if you're one of use blue and green cards to play to play your 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 suspend commander, there aren't a lot of natural suspend cards in the game. All right? So, you're not relying on that particularly well. The other, and the other piece is that uh, the way that word that one is worded um so you have to have it gains time counters equal to its mana value. And if it has no mana value, 
you don't it uh, you it comes in it gets exiled with no time counting on but doesn't trigger because the next clause says when the last time counter is removed from this card if it's exiled you may cast a bill paying its mana cost which means if you don't have a time counter to remove from it it can't actually trigger so cards like ancestral vision which seem like they should be great inclusions are actually actively bad in this in, with this commander so i don't know i find this one very peculiar um it could i suppose recreate a whole like pantheon of monster decks like because they're all going to suspend and cast giant scary things but i i don't know like i don't i don't think this is very good um lux what about you and not really yeah it's like it feels like i'm just not seeing the potential in this well, one. i mean i see some potential but i don't love the potential if you get my meaning like i don't like the idea of it being like this so yeah not a fan of alundo so yeah, carrying on okay <clears throat> I'm up next, and we have Altar of Ball, which just seems like a cool card. One in a black for an artifact, and it has an adventure on it, meaning that you can cast one half of it for its sorcery, and then it goes into exile, and you may cast the other half of it as a artifact. So the, in, the sorcery on this card says, two in a black, create a tapped 4-1 black skeleton creature token with Metis. I mean, that seems lovely. I'm not excited for it, but it seems okay. Um, and then the actual text of the card is two and a black tap. Exile a creature you control. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. So we're reanimating things, Lux? And they, I think I see what they're going for with this card. You know, like exile that in a skeleton, and then they bring back and like a, something else from your graveyard. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like I think it's pretty cool. Um, I think it plays with skeletal swarming really well. Um, so you're probably. I just think this card is surprisingly deceivably good. Um, I just need to have a little patience and someone spend some time with them. So. I don't love. I don't. I mean, the card's fine. I do like the reanimation package for this card, but I think it's uh, a little being a little overhyped. I think, but anyway. Any other thought, Lux? And no. no. Okay. Up next, we have Ascend from Avernus. X and white, white, white. You have a sorcery. Return all creature and planeswalker cards with mana by you X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Exile is sent from Avernus. I mean, this sort of effect is fine. I'm not excited for it. Are you? Not yeah, really. So, no. I mean, there's going to be decks that are going to play it because we know that buying things back from like this from your graveyard is actually very impactful. Just not a huge fan. It's okay. It's, that's just okay. That's all it is. All right. Um, anything else, sir? No. It's just. It's just. It's just fine. Nope. Thinking yeah. about it. Okay. Asterian. 
The Decadent. Four white, black, vampire, elf, rogue. That's a lot of creature types on that card. Uh, four, four. Legendary creature. So it's going to play with Edgar because it's a vampire, right? So, Death Touch, Life Link. At the beginning of your end step, choose one. Feed. Target opponent loses life equal to the amount of life they lost this turn. Or, friends, you gain life equal to the amount of life you gain this turn. So, black, white, vampires, life link, life gain deck. All right. I mean, I guess if you really want to go that way. Black, say anything to say? Nope. So, I think this, this sort of card doesn't necessarily breed for good design space or, or build deck building space because this card, I think you can take it one of two ways. You can call it the a life gain deck, and you can do life gain shenanigans, or you can get people dead, which is a get get dead stream better than anything else. And uh, but I don't think you really want them together in the same deck. And I think Asterian is very expensive at six mana, probably to the point you're not going to play him as your commander. He's probably going to go in the ninety nine. Any other thoughts, Lux? Not really. Yeah, it's just it's it's just fine. I'm not a huge fan of Asterian. I think I think you're probably better off playing Edgar still if you really want to play a black white or like uh, Vona. I believe is like that's the one, right? Vona. I'll just double check. Uh, Vona. Yeah, Voner Butcher of Magan is probably more interesting than this card. So you know, just saying. <laughs> Anything else? No? Yes? Yep. Moving on. Baba Lizaga. For one black green legendary creature, human warlock 3 3. Tap, sacrifice up to three permanents. If there are three or more card types among the sacrifice. He's a point. Three. Whoa, you, got, you cut off there. If there were three or more card types among sacrifice permanents, each opponent loses three life, you gain three life, and you draw three cards. Um, Lux, are you still there? All right, you got cut off there for a second. Now? So, all right, so I think this particular card really wants to play well where you have, like, some things that have got two permanent types written on them. So, like, artifact creatures... Are perfect for this sort of deck, where Baba Lizaga is going to like look around the room and establish that you got, you know, whatever, like two copies, three copies of, of stuff, or or things like artifact creatures that you can sacrifice, so you can kill two birds with one stone and not keep eroding cards off your battlefield. Um, yeah, so it's, it seems interesting. I like I like this ability. Uh, each opponent loses three life, and you gain three life, and you draw three cards. Like that's a pretty good way to like pump, like pad your life total and, and fill your grip up. Um, so I kind of like this Baba Lazaga card. It's uh, it's a little interesting. Any other thoughts? I could probably yeah. find some use that's for it. How I feel about it too. Like, you feel use for it. Okay, Baldur's Gate. Oh boy, the gates are back. Baldur's Gate, Legendary Land, Gate. Tap to add colorless. And then two and a tap. 
add X mana of any one color where X is the number of gates you control. So you're getting like Nyxos for 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 gates. Uh, I guess so. Like, what do we think of this card? Like, I honestly like I don't really think it's all that good because like there are only so many in the gates you can control. Well, I mean, I think this is like this. You're right. I think this is only going to go in decks that are going to play playing at least four colors, if not five. If it goes in anything else, you're not doing this right. Um, but I think with uh, with the gate, you end up end up making like your mana base being all gates, so your mana base is really quite affordable, and you can then activate your Baldur's Gate to you know all sorts of effect um i do think that this is interesting um like because of the fact that you know you're going to have five color decks now that are going to have very affordable mana bases but they're going to need a way to untap them so um yeah sometimes you're going to find that i think that this is going to be a really efficient way to help you keep your costs down by making and incentivizing you to play your um, your your gates and your deck. Any thoughts on Baldur's Gate there, Lux, or is that pretty much it? Okay. That's pretty much it. Last but not least, we have Bane, Lord of Darkness. Lux, what do you have to say for Bane? There are one white, blue, black, legendary creature god, 5-2. As long as your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total, Bane, Lord of Darkness, has Indestructible. Whenever another non-token non creature you control dies, target opponent may have you draw a card. If they don't, you may put a creature card with equal or lesser toughness from your hand on the battlefield. Okay. I, oh. This has options for your opponents, Lux. Right? And honestly, that... That's an automatic no in my book. No, like, I don't want to, if I don't have to, I don't want to give my opponents any options. I tend to agree with you. And I think there's a very real option where the option goes badly for you. So, not relying on, I'm not relying on them. Like, it's not. This no. is just, yeah. Like, I'm not relying on my, on my opponents to give me what I want in order to make this good. So, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, like, seriously, like, why be forced to allow your opponent to decide whether or not they will basically want to mess with you? They yeah. want to screw you yeah, over. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I, I, why would you set yourself up for this? So, you know, um, let me just check something else here. So, where is the card? Zur the Enchanter is the same mana cost. You know what I'm playing before I play Bane? Zur the Enchanter. Zur? Like, like, I'm just sorry. I'm not a fan. I don't think this card is particularly good. Maybe I'll eat my words in a year's time, but I think we're going to find that in a year's time. Um, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I know one Esper Commander that's in the cast... That costs uh, Rafine, one less Rafine, to cast. Rafine's who's better even too, better? Right? Like so, I just I just don't I just don't see yep. people playing this card. 
Like, he's cool, I guess, but I, don't, I just don't see it. Anyway. All right, let's go. We need to get to move on to the next, next segment, right? All right. Yep. So, yep. let's talk about a deck. So, I want to talk about backgrounds, Lux, this week, because I don't hear too many people talking about backgrounds. Um, I think most people have decided the backgrounds themselves are not particularly interesting. But let's look at the deck, or look at sorry, not look at that. Look at the look at the set. <clears throat> the set has made cards with background in almost every instance. They've made them into monocolored, um, into monocolored creatures, and. Which we've discussed earlier is boring fundamentally, right? That's the problem we ran yeah. into. We run into with Golo. Players don't want to build mono blue decks. It's boring to build mono blue, so they turn their attention to brewing multicolored decks. Well, now you can play your mono blue commander and these enchantments that live in there reside in the command zone. Um, sorry, in the uh, in your deck, so you can play these to great effect. Um, and now give yourself access to a second color, meaning you have far more options than you once did. So I did some math, Lux, and going through that there are over 1,800 new decks that stem from the commanders that they printed along with um, the choice of backgrounds to accompany them to give you access to a second color. That's going to give these decks a lot of flexibility because you might say, Oh, I'm playing. Um, sorry, I'm not to refresh myself. But, oh, Volo's itinerant, um, monster, whatever that Volo deck, Volo card. Um, now you can build it with countless of these other backgrounds. There's 30 of them, I believe, and they all have the same sort of effect where something. Like something happens when something when something else triggers, and like you're just gonna have more options, and I think that's ultimately what we want to get to with with this with our with our decks. Um, and the another thing they haven't they haven't jumped the power level so high that you don't want to play these. Like that's kind of the problem whenever they introduce new mechanics is that sometimes they pump them so far that they sort of spoil the game. And I don't think that's a quick case with these. They seem very playable without being outlandishly so. Um, but yeah, so I think it's interesting. I think it's an important discussion to have. So let's look at the deck. All right, so our deck, like, it gives us, like, flexibility is good. So the deck I brewed up this week is uh, Arenas Gloomstalker. So Arenas, I think I hope, hope I'm saying that right. Is uh, two and a green for a three-three death touch. And then Arena's Gloomstalker is the name of the is full dead. And then we also get Criminal Past as the background. Let's read uh, Arena's. Arena's is a two and a green three-three death touch. Whenever Arena's Gloomstalker is the uh, attacks, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and you choose a background. So you can go and get lands from your graveyard. Criminal Past for it part is. Two and a black for an enchantment. Uh, commander creatures you own have menace, and this creature gets plus X plus O, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So you are 
between these two commanders or commanders in background, you're incentivized to play into the uh, the creatures in your graveyard through something else. So, and Arena's Boomstalker gets your lands back. So those are the two options, right? So a Criminal Pass pumps it up. Arena's gets you your land back. So your deck is full of creatures looking to dump them in your graveyard. And there's lots of ways to put them there. So you could be doing something as simple as Acolyte of Affliction, uh, where you mill things. Angel of Suffering, which is a new one from New Capenna, where you just take where you don't take damage. That angel just mills you cards. And on down the list, with all these cards that are pretty cool, ultimately leading us down the path of, is this going to get discarded into a graveyard? We need some redundancies. So, anyway. That's sort of the idea with behind the deck. The creature package, most of the things are things that are going to mill us or put cards in our graveyard. So we're going to put Nyx Weaver. We're going to get Mire Triton. We're going to get Grave Titan. So, anyway. Like, the, you get the idea behind the creatures. They're like creatures that power the graveyard. And then, you know, you're looking to lead your yeah. into your instance of sorceries. More things that are going to pile things in your graveyard. Mulch and Grizzly Salvage and Winding Way and, and Victimize and all this stuff. But uh, a couple of pretty easy options to spice this sort of deck up. So if you're milling things, Sir Conrad is fantastic. Uh, and if you care about lands, the Gitrog monster is also really good to go in this sort of list. Um, down in our sorceries, you're playing more of a reanimator package with between, um, yeah, just playing sort of a reanimator package with Blood for Bones and a Dryad's Revival, and there might be one more. But anyway, the bottom line is that these these are pretty reasonable enchantments to to do stuff. And then we got some instances of sorceries, not too much. Um, yeah, so that's the deck. It comes in under under a hundred bucks, Lux. Under a hundred bucks. Nice, nice, right? So what gives somebody who's a new player a deck list? They can take it right into the store and uh, proceed to use it to suit it up and make it a little bit nicer. So, yeah. Hundred bucks for deck. Can't go wrong. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the deck there, Lux? Do you want to, any questions you you saw? Anything jumps off the page as being surprising? And eh, not really. Like this is another one of those decks that yeah, I might consider I think playing. A deck that is that would be like this is a your Nethroid deck without the Nethroid and white, because it's got a lot of the other like self mill like a like a Golgori Grave Troll or a Hogak. Arisen. Um, just yeah, you're playing this without Nethroid without the white, and you're looking to get things back from your graveyard to do good work. So, I think, it's, I think it's a fun deck. I might build it myself too. All right, Lux, anything else you want to add? All right, let's wrap it up nope. then. So, I was going to bring this week's show to a close. Thanks very much for spending some time with this audience. I uh, really appreciate it. Are you bearing with us on this uh, a little bit later than the normal week episode. Appreciate it. Um, if you like what you hear, you want to leave some feedback, by all means, reach out to us on social media. You can email us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. The email address will be in the show notes down below, so you're welcome to go and check them out if you have a question or a comment for us. 
Uh, if you want to reach us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at EpicEXPCast. Um, or you can find us on Moxfield.com at the Epic Experiment Podcast. All one word. Uh, of course, as always, ask a question, leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe on all of your favorite podcast apps um, where we can be found. Uh, we'd love to hear from our audience and what, what's working for you, what's not working, and if there's anything we can uh, to do to make this better. Um, next week, we're going to be looking at more of the Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, unless, of course, they surprise us and they stick us with some double masters, um, which would be pretty cool to discuss. But anyway, um, we're also aiming to get our, our Judge Liam in here to help us talk about rules for Commander Legends in the next couple of weeks so that you guys can be all up to speed on the rules. All right. Lux, anything else you want to say? No? All right. Let's wrap nope. this up. Well, uh, where was I? I got, I got distracted again. Anyway, I guess we'll just wrap it up. It says, until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play match. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Be good, everybody.